This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. Women have been invited to come into the room and invited to quote unquote have a seat at the table, but they have never really been given the chance to sit down and have a voice in that conversation. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Laura Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Jonna Bell. Jonna is head of marketing at The Riveter, a female forward workspace designed for community, business acumen, and wellness. A growth hacker and change agent, she comes from the industries of hospitality, new technology, e-commerce, higher education, and design. Over the course of her career, Jonna has navigated the corporate ladders of being the youngest and many times only woman at the table and gained a track record of pursuing new innovations that break up old norms. Jonna and I met through my partnership with The Riveter, who also happens to be a sponsor of this podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Donna. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat because we don't actually know each other all that well, although we do have a mutual friend, which is always fun. Yeah, we do. We do. So, so And I think what we had, we had kind of been saying we were going to connect for maybe several months and then we totally. definitely bumped into each other in a hallway <laughs> that's right at the riveter yeah and i'm like wait yeah. are you jonna you're like wait are you lara yeah no and it was i love i love how that happened though and it, it all kind of came yeah. together and and here we are so um and we have since had lunch at one of my favorite spots in seattle um eve in fremont oh so good so but good I still think about that lunch <laughs> I know. So good. So good. But yeah, I, just for people who have not, so I, you know, I obviously, I spoke with Amy Nelson, who's, you know, co-founder of the Riveter in season one of the podcast, but just for those yeah. who might be listening who don't know much about the Riveter, can you just talk a little bit about what the Riveter is? Yes. So as you mentioned in your description, we are, uh, we're a startup based out of Seattle and we build female forward workspaces and community for business and impact. So when we say female forward, we're really designed for female entrepreneurs, remote workers, uh, business owners, etc. We do invite uh, advocates, female advocates, men into the space for membership. And we are really designed for business and impact and wellness comes into play as an amenity to that as well. So we have programming around everything from pitch uh, competitions to negotiations workshops. And then we also have wellness pop-ups on the weekends with Hit Lab and Burn Cycle and um, Just Add Yoga. And we have yoga classes and Matt Pilates, strength building and meditation. So everything really designed to help women succeed in business. 
Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that, that's of course why I originally connected with you guys, because it's so, so much in line with, with my work and bringing wellness into the everyday rather than it being this sort of like separate space in your, in your life. Um, so the Riveter has, has started to do that. And I, I love to see that actually I'm curious about the, um, so just talking more about the female forward thing, like I get what that yeah. is all about. And I'm obviously now a member of the Riveter, but can you talk a little bit more about why, that was the choice to make the spaces female forward or female focused, however you want to say that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, in corporate America, you know, in the, ever since Rosie the Riveter, who is our namesake, <laughs> um, that idea of women going back to the workforce because the men were on the front lines. We, women have been invited to come into the room and invited to quote unquote have a seat at the table, but they have never really been given the chance to sit down and have a voice in that conversation. So we recognize that women in business are an incredible force and we really believe that they're an untapped economic force. For instance, uh, women start upwards of 1,000 new businesses every day in the wow. U.S. That's amazing. Right? 5% more than men. <laughs> When <laughs> you start thinking about those statistics. And then over the past 10 years, women-owned businesses have attributed to an 18% increase in employment, whereas the overall national average has gone down 1%. Hmm. That's amazing. So, yeah. I love those stats. Thank you for sharing those because I'm sorry I didn't yeah. interrupt you, but like, it's just, I think having those numbers to attach to it, because I, you know, yeah. you hear people talk about that stuff all the time, but yeah, that, that's really powerful. Yes. Yeah, it really paints a solid picture, doesn't it? Absolutely. About what um, the hurdles that we face. I mean, we start businesses, we run them, we grow them, yet we're, we don't have access to the funding that men have from like the good old boys club. We mm -hmm. also built Riveter because when you think about networking and how different genders network, women's networks go deep and rich. Um, but they're narrow and mm -hmm. men's networks go wide and shallow. And we are here to be able to uh, create those rich relationships that women need, but we also are here to broaden them and expand them outwards so women can say, I have a broad, wide network where I can reach across multiple locations, um, multiple cities. So we have two locations in Seattle at the moment. We are currently going into LA. We're about to do our first pop-up in LA with Create and Cultivate. And then we'll be opening an LA space at the end of this summer. And then from there, we'll be going out to more cities. So um, those are the physical spaces. We're also connecting women on a digital platform as well. Um, our members will have access to each other's wisdom, knowledge, resources, even going so far as like access to opportunities for capital and VC funding, et cetera, through our platform. That's great. Well, and it's interesting to hear you talk about the difference in men's and women's networks too. You know, <laughs> yes, of course, that's very like hearing you say it out loud, like, oh yeah, okay. Th that makes total sense, you know, right? And that's certainly my experience as a woman, but I'm also having this realization that, so I grew up um, going to a girl's school. I went to a girl's school K through 12. And so... Uh -huh women's networks, like, and, and the space that the Riveter is creating it, that's part of why it feels so comfortable to me. Cause it just, yeah. it's like, just 
I mean, you know, it's just the experience that I yeah. grew up with. I mean, obviously I have since worked in industries that were um, more male dominated and, you know, I worked in advertising and whatever. So, it, you know, I've been in both scenarios, but I'm just sort of putting those, those things together and, and, and also realizing that, yeah, my network's really very narrow, but, but very deep. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that can be, do you, do you see in the research that you've read that that's actually a disadvantage to women in some way? I think it can be an advantage, but when you are building a startup and you are trying to get access to capital or you're trying to find resources like the top talent to fill positions in your company because you yeah. need to hire more, knowing that you have such a, you know, you already know the resources that you can tap. You already know everything about them. You're stopping there. If you have a broad network, you can cast that net out and start looking at different solutions to a challenge that you might have. You can get different opinions. Um, you're able to grow exponentially at a much like faster rate than you would if you just had a very narrow, very deep, small network. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Absolutely. And, and actually, so what percentage of the um, Riveter membership right now is not women? 18%. Oh, okay. That's higher than I would have thought. Yeah. That, that's great, actually. Yeah. And I actually, it's funny when I moved to Seattle, I, um, I actually had more male friends than female friends, like the whole time I lived in New York and anyway, it just sort of happened that way. And so when I moved here, I made a very conscious effort to develop my female network. And now I'm like, okay, I got, there are too many. Like, <laughs> I got too many ladies. Yeah. Like I love yeah. you all. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice yeah, we, to bring the guys in. We realize, you know, um, we don't believe in replacing one silo with another silo. Yeah. At this point in time, men still hold many of the purse strings and we need to make sure that women have access to those, that capital. And so by bringing men into our space and in a way that embodies advocacy, those are the connections that we are making for women. So um, we have several male entrepreneurs um, and investors who are holding office hours in our space. And we know they're not, they're not women. They're not women founded, founded companies. They're not women entrepreneurs. They're men. But guess what? These men did this. They're opening the door for women. So mm -hmm. you know, we want to provide that access point. Yeah. Yeah. And what advice would you give to men who, who want to be advocates for, for women in general or, you know, women entrepreneurs, because I think that it's such a heated um, discussion right now. And I, I, um, I've said this before on the podcast that I do sometimes worry that men feel intimidated and don't know how to get into the conversation. So how, what would you advise them to do? Um, listen, mm. I think, I think that's the biggest advice that I have. Um, listen and ask the question and don't ask the question in a, um, a platitudinal way of like, yeah, I'm asking just to ask. It's really ask the question of what do you need and listen. And I think one of the things that, that I struggled with um, as a startup and entrepreneur is that I almost didn't know which questions to ask. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sometimes for men, it's, uh, just because we aren't asking the question doesn't mean that we don't need the answer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and have a collaborative conversation. I, and also don't, uh, I would say don't expect that just because we are in a female forward space that men are not allowed and, 
you know, have, have that intimidating feeling or, you know, that vibe, whatever, um, join in the conversation, get involved. You know, we've actually, I had a, a comment from a male member of ours several weeks ago. Um, and he said, I just love coming to your space because I get work done here. <laughs> and I, I was like, I mean, okay, but you know, why here do you get work done and what is it that helps you get work done? And he said, I don't uh, have to deal with the bro culture. I can just focus on my work and I can have a conversation that, that, like about business and it's not competitive. I don't need to jockey for position. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting to hear. That's something that wouldn't have even sort of occurred to me as one of the upsides for, for men to be in this space, besides the fact that they're surrounded by amazing, powerful women, which <laughs> some men might just enjoy that. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's, that's great that he sees that, that he um, has stumbled upon that, yeah. that difference in yeah. the way that we all work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. I love that. So what about you personally? Why are you so passionate about empowering women in this way? Yeah. So throughout my life, I've had several women who have made a conscientious decision to invest in me as a girl and as a person. And sometime when I was in, I would say, uh, early 30s, I think I was about 30 years old, I went to Seattle Girls School and volunteered as a mentor. I'm doing that this year. That's oh awesome. God, that's amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. So, and that was, you know, around somewhere around 29, I started thinking, okay, you know, I am, I'm no longer the, the youngest person in the room. I need to start rotating and turning around and giving back. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I was taking and receiving from women who had more experience than me. I needed to open that other hand up and start giving back. Right. And so I realized the best way I could do that was to start with uh, young girls. And now I also had an experience where my, so I was born in Idaho and then my parents moved us to Baltimore and I was going to a private school that was connected to Johns Hopkins University. And um, I had an incredible uh, opportunities for schooling and programming and classes uh, when I was there. And then in high school, I moved to Idaho, a very rural Idaho, and my graduating class was about 40 students. Mm-hmm. And I saw firsthand the uh, impact that access to knowledge and education does and the doors that it opens and what it provides young girls as you set the bedrock for your future path. Mm-hmm. And that's why I decided that I wanted to mentor for Seattle Girls School and then seeing what the girls there were building at that age and seeing how access to knowledge and education could set you up for opportunity as you move you know, from high school into college and through careers really uh, hit home with me. And I, it was just, it started becoming something I was so incredibly passionate about and driving and my mother was just an amazing woman. She, when we were in Idaho, she started, she was like the first woman in the 
70s when I was born. Um, so I was born in Idaho. We moved to Baltimore, moved back to Idaho. And um, when I was in my very, very infantile world years, she started the first co-op in yeah. her area, right? And kind of set up a community trade garden and goods trade and then seeing how she was able to build community and really support women and I have um, when she passed I had so many people come up to me after her funeral for a year and say your mother made such a big impact on me she helped me be the first uh, you know, kid in my family to go to college or she helped me pay for my first car. She got me my first job and so forth and seeing the impact that that made um, on these women's lives. And that's where she was focused. Um, really just drove home the, those, the impact that you can make and what women can do when they're given an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's so interesting. That's a story that I hear over and over again, just the importance of having those strong female role models when yeah. you're young. And yeah. And for those who don't know Seattle Girls School, just, you know, quickly, it's a, a school in Seattle in this, in the central district, I guess, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fifth grade through eighth grade. Is that right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So just a really formative time, um, you know, for girls and, and, uh, I mean, for boys too, I suppose, but this school just happens to be focused on girls. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, um, I think that that's a very common story is I had these women in my life. Mm-hmm. I that. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool that it was your mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. There's you. And then there's the you, you only dream about that. You is confident, put together and vibrant. She's through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, starting her own business, traveling solo to Tibet, or nailing her presentation at the corporate retreat. You know you have it in you, yet something keeps getting in your way. It's the daily ups and downs of life, the just this time poor decisions, and the constant reacting to everyone else's needs and never your own. The frantic pace of 21st century life has interrupted your rise to your goals. I help women like you, women on the rise, take back their health and happiness so they can make lasting changes and achieve their goals. Together, we form new habits that transform daily life from a slog to an intentional path to a brand new you. Visit laradolch.com slash Vibrant Health Playbook to learn more about my eight-week total health and wellness program for women. Vibrant Health Playbook is your ticket to the vibrant, inspired, and powerful life you're looking for. So I just want to shift a little bit to the wellness piece of the conversation since that uh-huh. obviously came up as part of what's up with the Riveter and it's part of what I like to talk about as far as the connection between you know, self-care and health and success. What else do you personally do that you feel like really keeps you able to be present and focused on your work and you know, showing up in your life and all that stuff? I am probably the worst at when you talk about uh, wellness from the traditional fitness class description uh-huh. um, because I just never could get myself committed to a regular workout routine. So over the course of several years, I think I've made a lot of decisions in my life that allow me to be a little more freewheeling in my personal exercise decisions and so forth. My diet is pretty, it's restricted in a way that I eat incredibly healthy. And um, I believe myself personally, both in what you eat uh, has both nutritional reward and karmic reward as well. 
um, about 10 years ago, I stopped eating meat for ethical reasons. And I, I feel like I obviously have no scientific proof for this, but I feel like karmically I'm just healthier. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> in a way. And then I also make it a point to, uh, in the morning when I wake up, I usually start the day. It's, I have a very long wake up process. So I put one hand on my heart and one hand on my, uh, just below my rib cage, kind of on my upper stomach. And I just do a lot of, it's, I don't consider it meditation. I consider it more mindfulness and just conscientious thinking about the day and thinking about uh, accountability and what my role in the day is and any goals that I'm setting or kind of mantras that I, something that I want manifested, envisioning that. And also just setting the pace for the rest of the day. Uh, being in a startup, my days can get hectic and out of control the moment I open up my phone, right? Yeah. And so just taking that moment before opening up and turning on my phone to just lay with my eyes closed and just set the pace of, it's almost like the resting pace of my heart and my mind and just syncing those two things up and becoming more aware. And I think also I, you know, I talk, my diet is, a, is incredibly healthy, but I also do not believe in denying oneself anything. <laughs> and uh, there was a, there was probably maybe about four weeks when I first came on board with the Riveter and we as a staff commit to doing wellness goals every week. And for the first four weeks of being here and just diving in the 12th of everything that needs to be done, my commitment to wellness was that I was going to eat a um, donut every other day, if not every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Where did you get the donuts? I need to know. So um, Muir's Coffee Shop is right Oh, yeah, yeah. That location. Yeah. And their donuts are, oh, they're so good. Really? So, okay, good to know. Yeah, good to know. So there were definitely days where I was like, you know what? My wellness commitment is that I am walking across the street and I'm purchasing myself a donut and I'm eating it. Yeah. Yeah. That's happening. <laughs> that's just what's happening. I love that though. And I and again, it's like, like that broader definition of wellness, right? It's like, just right. because it's a donut doesn't mean it's par not part of your, your sort of self-care and wellness. Plan, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's what I needed. And I think it goes up to that, that larger thing of Stop and ask yourself what you need in this yes. situation first. Put your own gas mask on first, right? Before you put somebody else's on. And I was like, a moment where I get the donut, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love that. Ask I yourself. You. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, and just asking yourself what you need. I think that, that I love that you said that. I, I, um, Try to remember. I had a guest from season one. Oh, uh, Lisa Wood, who's a, a life coach, mentions you know something along those lines, and I think that's such a wise thing to ask yourself when you know. And I think what happens with a lot of um, women is you know this prescribed wet this prescribed way of being well, you know, they sort of fall into that trap and forget to ask themselves, what, what do I need? Right. What do I yeah. need <laughs> yeah, right now? Yeah. Not what is this person <laughs> telling me I need? Right. Right. They might be totally different. They're different for Amy. They're different for me. They're different from, from, you know, everyone in my team. Um, when you start digging down to it and really asking like, what's, 
what does my brain need? What does my heart need? What is going to just bring me some peace and rest at this moment and feel that I'm taking care of myself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I think what's interesting about what you were saying about um, the fact that, you know, sort of a traditional exercise plan wasn't really, it's just not part of your DNA necessarily or hasn't been. And, um, and, and that's, so, okay, you're focused on some other things. Like, sure, of course, like, wouldn't it be great if we were all getting, you know, whatever the prescribed amount of cardio exercises every week and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. you make adjustments and um, I, I love that that flexibility has kind of come in. And that you, again, you know, the Riveter has created the space for that flexibility to happen for members too. So it's sort of baked into yes. the business, you know, DNA as well. Yes, absolutely. We know... Um, right from the start that we would have a members who have a variety of approaches and it's not the solution isn't just here's five treadmills here's five cycles stationary bikes and here's 15 yoga mats so it is much more around how do we flex space and respond to what our members are really asking for um, and what they need and what they feel because i mean who knows you better than you Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Actually, you know, I was thinking the other day about um, I don't remember where I saw this, but someone was asking about the difference between oh, I think it was on um Girl Boss Radio has just launched a new podcast around self-care. And I think I think it was somewhere on their website that I saw asking the question between like what's the difference between self-care and like pampering, right? Because I think sometimes people hear the word self-care and they think, oh, that means going to the spa. And maybe it does, but I'm Mm -hmm. curious about your thoughts. Like, does anything come up for you when you, when you think about, is there a difference between self-care and pampering? If so, what is that difference? Hmm. That's a really good question. I don't know if I ever dive so much into the pampering kind of side, which like instantly my brain goes into the marketing world where I'm thinking of, you know, the, what's that picture with the woman with the white towel around her head, the cumbers on her eyes and the, you know, the robe, all of that stuff. Um, You know, and, and I think, I feel like that is a pampering thing. Whereas uh, self-care, I believe much more to uh, the, the impetus of what you need and kind of that mental thought at the beginning of saying, what do I need in order to uh, be a better version of myself, perform better, um, you know, be able to make better decisions. And those to me, when I think about self-care, I think actually about self-talk, boundaries, the people that you put around you, all those types of things, not just the food and the diet that's going into your body and your fitness regimens. Um, there are so many more things that we, uh, that go into that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I hear from women a lot the, um, that they, I, and I actually found this surprising because I feel like a lot of people are are looking at self care and wellness more more holistically. I hate to use that word because it's overused, but whatever it it is what it is. And they're often surprised to see that that's sort of the approach that I take as well. That it's not just about food and exercise. In fact, if anything, I think sometimes those things kind of are less important than some of the things you're talking about. You know, and the mm-hmm. the mindset and the flexibility and and I I, I love that that's kind of how you. Um, have defined it. Although I do yeah. think there's also room for pampering. I mean, come on, John. I like. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, I love that. I, I'm not, I'm not a huge spa girl, but I do occasionally like getting a facial. That's my favorite thing is yeah. getting facial. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I this is going to be uh, a little in the pampering world. I don't know if this is pampering or not, but um, I, one of several of my girlfriends and I, of course, you know, we go get our nails done. Right. And I think maybe yeah. that's a pampering thing. I view that as that's time that I get with my girlfriends to spend with them where I need to do kind of like a mental download and processing of what's happening. But I also, I, one day I was like, you know what, I'm getting nails, like acrylic nails. Fun. Because I, I'm just so tired of like looking down and I get, you know, when I get stressed, I do have that that moment where I'm like, Oh my God, did I just like peel my nail polish off? Right. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. I'm just getting amazing nails. So when I look down, my nails look fantastic. <laughs> I love that you did that for yourself. That's so fun. Nails. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, I mean, that stuff's, I think it's, there's room for all of it. But I, yeah, I did think that distinction between self-care and pampering was an interesting mm-hmm. one. And sometimes yeah. they're one and the same, but often, you know, to your point, you know, self-care is a much broader scope, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, it is. And last year, I think it was last year, I hosted an event with Lean in Seattle around the like internal voice and internal brand um, that kind of, what do we say to ourselves as women? And I thought, oh, this is going to be a fantastic event, you know, rich with dialogue. And I did an exercise at the beginning of the event where I passed out an index card and I asked everyone to write on the front of the index card that word that uh, describes themselves that is a, as a word of self-doubt and kind of that, that baggage word that they carry around. And then we went through the session and I had them at the end of the session flip that card over and write the three commitments that they would make to themselves and then share those commitments with the two people on either side of them. And they didn't share the word on the, from the beginning of the session. I wanted them to share the three commitments that they were making. And at the end of the session, there were several cards that were left on the floor after everybody had talked and cleared out of the space and so forth. And I picked up a couple of the cards and what I saw on those cards as that single word broke my heart. Mm. I think that as women, we carry around this perception of ourselves and these are words that I, it, I was stunned to, to know that I, like, these women are incredibly successful. They're running businesses. They're senior level managers. They're raising kids. They're running households, right? And the words that they had used on this card to describe themselves. And I thought to myself, this right here gets to the root of self-care and wellness to be able to cross out that word and actually see yourself as the woman sitting next to you sees you, you know, as your children see you, as your coworkers see you and how incredible and amazing you are as a person. And what have, words uh, were you seeing? I'm very curious now. Like what? Um, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think back. I was thinking about this of what some of the words were. And I, I feel like to some degree, I crossed them out of my I was going to say you've blocked them out. Yeah, I mean, seriously. The recollection of how yeah. bad they were. 
I, one of the words was useless. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, wow. Okay. And then I got several phone calls from women in my network, uh, who had turned, who had tuned in remotely to listen to the session. Um, and they confidently or confidentially said to me, you know, I, I have this in my mind. It's a running dialogue in the back of my mind. And I'm like, Oh my God, you are a C-suite level executive. Wow. You know, and so one, knowing, you know, that this is what we do as women. And um, this is something that I will talk about and just share and be open about that. When I was younger, I made two commitments to myself. Um, and I don't think I realized until I ran that session in August how much of an impact on me that these two decisions had made. And I remember vividly making them when I was like 21, 22. I decided that I would never lose sleep over anything because I'm a person that needs eight hours of sleep. And if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I don't really function well. <laughs> and so, Less than eight hours of sleep means I'm making bad decisions, which means I would lose more sleep, right? It just becomes that vicious cycle. And so I committed to myself, once I put my head down on the pillow, I sleep, I wake up, I solve the problems. The second one was the self-talk, the internalized depression, that um, I, I do have that, but you will never hear me talk bad about myself externally. I will never say something like, oh, I hate my hair or my nose, it's too big. And those types of phrases that we as women kind of stand around and pick ourselves apart. I refuse to do that. And I have absolutely had groups of new girlfriends who have, who have said to me on the side, they're like, we were talking about the other, you the other day and realized you never say anything bad about yourself. And we've decided that that is our goal as well. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, yay. My, my yay. job is done here. I love that. No, I, I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That self-talk is so, is so powerful. And we don't even know we're doing it. I, I um, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, just thank you for sharing that. I, I know that yeah. that really resonated with a lot of women just now. Yeah. So I want to be mindful of your time and I, so I'm going to sort of wrap things up, but I want to ask you what's next for you. What are you excited about? Well, let's see, we are taking the Riveter to LA. And so it has been an absolutely amazing uh, four months, five months now working with this team and, and growing with them and just diving full on into the mission of the company. And so now we're expanding out to LA and we're about to begin build on our digital platform. It is all consuming. I will be up front with that. And so um, when we talk about the getting the eight hours of sleep and that self-care and, and eating the donuts, there are probably a lot of donuts in my future. <laughs> I'm going to be up front with that. There's some good ones um, in LA, I'm sure. <laughs> There are lots of milk. I also found um, golden milk. I've discovered golden milk. Yes, yes. For those yeah. who don't know, golden milk is a sort of a spiced milk. Turmeric is one of the the primary primary um, spices in it, which of course has you know anti-inflammatory properties and anyway is is meant to be very health giving. So yes, mm-hmm. golden milk is yeah. so good. 
Yeah, and I think diet, my, the food that I eat is going to have a much more valuable like function approach than um, indulgence approach for me, except for my donuts. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited about this. It's going to be an incredible six months. We'll be open in September. So. Wow, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. That's yeah. great. And you know, I would normally ask guests where people can learn about the Riveter, but since there are ads running in this episode about the Riveter, we don't need to do that. But where can people connect with you? So you, at this point in time, I'm at the Fremont location or the Capitol Hill location most days all day. Um, <laughs> you can always connect with me on LinkedIn um, or through Instagram as well. Um, and I am happy to take emails from anybody, whoever. It's just my first name at theriveter.co. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. This was so, so fun. I really appreciate your um, transparency and, and willingness to, to get personal. Absolutely. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit lauradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe in the iTunes store or in Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, I so appreciate your reviews and recommendations because they help me reach as many women on the rise as possible. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Free neighborhoods, and a third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's C-O, slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash women on the rise.